getting people really like connecting to the physical body. And once you're um, aligned, then you're going to start seeking spirituality. Then you're going to start understanding how we're going to understand the world outside of us if we don't understand the world inside of us. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with you. We've been spending some time together. I'm here with Anella Lineham. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having us here. It's uh, it's been my pleasure. We just got doing done doing some uh, work together, spending the day, getting the human garage experience from both you and Gary, and so we're both glowing. <laughs> it yes. was awesome, really, really uh, amazing experience. So it's been uh, incredible to have you guys here. This is for our listeners part two, I guess, of the human garage uh, podcast. Having uh, Gary yesterday and you here today. Uh, and as I said yesterday, it's been a real dream of mine since meeting you guys to have you here at Gravity. And last night, you got to share your message with a group of people. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun having you here. Oh, it's a great pleasure. And just, you know, being here, it's quite surprising how you made such a beautiful space and consciousness and awareness and community. I'm so pleasantly surprised. Moving, coming from Venice Beach in California, you know, we would think we're so advanced when it comes to spirituality, but to find amazing place here in Columbus, it's amazing. So thank you for doing all this great work. Oh, uh, (laughs) my pleasure. So let's back up. I want to maybe first have you just share a little bit about who you are with our audience. And then I want to go all the way back to your journey. I want you to share your full journey with the audience so that we can get a, a, a little bit of a glimpse into how you got here. Um, not just what you're doing and where you're going, but I want to hear all of it. Where so, I came from. Yes. But just for, just for a little bit of an introduction, why don't you share what your role is with Human Garage, the work that you do, Mm -hmm. some of what we just did and what you're really passionate about. Absolutely. Well, I'm passionate about, you know, optimizing human experience here on earth, just bringing us closer to ourselves and developing that self-realization and self-love in this crazy world and being really practical about it. You know, um, creating simple steps for each human being to be able to access that joy and happiness and fulfillment that we're all seeking. And I think a lot of us are seeking in the wrong places and trying to satisfy with, you know, if we can find it outside, could be drugs and alcohol and things that are outside of us. But I do believe that everything we need for that ultimate happiness is within us. It's just, we haven't even tapped into that potential truly you know, what we as a human being have inside of us. My role in Human Garage is really kind of educating people, first connecting them to themselves, recognizing what spirituality, how spirituality influences our everyday life, uh, practical spirituality, and nutrition. Also, um, how what we put in our body, what is what what that does to us. You know, if we're feeding ourselves with, crap and kind of like crazy things. We can't expect to sit and meditate and be peaceful and being loving. And every each one of us pretty much just desire to be that. And I think we have not got that education so far. So making that education available to masses of people is really, you know, what I'm trying to do through Human Garage as 
fixing physical body, also we need to work on spiritual body, emotional body, mental body. So we have very complex being, but at the same same time, really simple. Mm-hmm. You know, when we connect to that basic and find ourselves, it's really important. The other thing too is community is super important. To have a community of people where we can uh, reflect where we are, it's it's amazing. Mm, absolutely. Yes. And uh, maybe we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the specifics and the techniques and how yes. you've learned that. But but let me take you kind of all the way back. Were you born in Bosnia? I know that you... Yes. yes. So tell me a little bit about kind of your earliest memories, what that was like, um, and kind of, you know, we'll get to everything that mm-hmm. you experienced. But just tell me, what was it like to be born in Bosnia and to be a, a child in Bosnia? Wow, that's an awesome question. Thank you for bringing me back. Actually, I just got back from Bosnia a couple, maybe like two weeks ago. and. This was this time I was able to kind of like go back to those days when I was a little kid. And when I kind of start realizing and recognizing who I was as a person, um, the first memories of my childhood was that, you know, I was able to play freely and I was able to just go into wild nature and run around all day long and just be a child and be happy and spend time just running around. and. That was kind of like most of my memories that I have. A happy, I had a happy childhood. Yeah. Um, so in happy home and family that loved me so much. So I didn't understand the world outside of that. Mm. So fast forward, you know, when I became a teenager and um, life was good. I, I, I'm, you know, I was really happy back then. But everything was kind of changed and moved when. The war happened. Mm-hmm. You know, all, all those. And you were how old? I was um, 18, mm-hmm. 18, 19. Mm-hmm. And so my whole life, I, I knew in some degree that I'm here with a mission and I'm here with a purpose. And always that mission was one mission that was driving me and pulling me forward. I kind of wanted to be the best that I possibly could. I would challenge myself as, even as a child. So I was engaged in many sports. Physical activity was very important for me. So I started with martial arts. I started with gymnastics and dancing. Mm-hmm. So constantly like wanted to be the best of the best, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to writing, when it comes to um, acting. Mm-hmm. Singing wasn't my specialty, but I tried to <laughs> sing. That didn't really work that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but dancing, more of the body movement was what I was really passionate about and through movement, I was able to express myself. So even as a child, I remember, you know, vividly these dreams, maybe I was five or six years old, that I was thinking I'm going to change the world through movement. Mm. And Even at that age, you, those memories you really re- can recall. Oh, I can recall yeah. waking up in the middle of the night and figuring out and kind of talking to myself, you know, and then I would catch myself saying, why do you think you are that person that can change the world through Mm -hmm. movement? Mm -hmm. What makes you think? It's almost like having this conversation, but how a little child can even have that understanding? Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, to be able to think about movement as a child is one thing, but to then have the thoughts that you wanted to change the world with it 
Um, yes. And remember that. Uh, and, and is that something that you remembered along the way? Yes. Yeah. That's so that was always going. with you. Yeah. It saved my life many, many times. Mm-hmm. And I think also what happens is a child, when you do sports, your brain is wired differently. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there were certain decisions that I had to make, especially during the war, that I would go back to that original state when, you know, doing gymnastics and doing martial arts and going back into that mindset where I had to kind of like refigurate what steps I need to take. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's a quite interesting, you know, process mm-hmm. how when you're physically trained that you're guided by that some energy. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's a very specific energy. So, so, so tell me, so you're, you're a teenager, you're 18, 17, 18. Where are you, what's your plan then before the war happens? I mean, what, what, what were you going to? college? Where were you in education? Tell me. Well, you see, my uncle, my uncle was a big influence on me as well. He was in charge of the Olympics in Sarajevo in 1984. He was, Mm -hmm. he was the one who was like in the comedy of uh, organizing the Olympics. Mm. And so I just remember that I looked up to him and he would travel around the world and he would send me postcards from LA, New York. And as a child, I would just you know, lay on my back and just look and imagine and visualize I'm walking down these streets and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm um, I'm in New York and in LA. Back then in those days, it was kind of like even crazy to imagine. But because I was in the sports, so I decided to go to university for physical education. That was my, that was my dream. Mm-hmm. You know, that after I finished high school, I went, I passed all my exams, I got accepted in university in Sarajevo. But before I started, I decided to go to London to spend a year in London because I, you know, I figured this is probably one year where I can get different kind of education, which is the life education. And that's, that's what I did. I, I decided to go to London, all excited. And then when I came back to Bosnia, I just started university when, when the war happened and uh, I was in Sarajevo and then ended up moving back to my hometown, just like not too far from Sarajevo, uh, and start working for UN as a translator. Mm-hmm. And so then tell me about that time. So so the war happens, you're there. Um, you know, how did life change for you? That was that was something that, you know, it's almost like the wildest dreams you cannot imagine. That one day every, your life is so perfect and everything is falling and you are so innocent and mm-hmm. everything seems so beautiful and light. And then just to figure that destruction and death and um, uh, pain and suffering, people made me realize, you know, asking what's the purpose of this life? How is this possible? I just truly didn't understand but I kept saying all this time that this is not my war. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't, I just couldn't understand why people are fighting each other. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand that because you have a different name or you have a different belief system that, you know, you have no right to be on this planet. So I was completely kind of, I was physically in this environment, in this war, but emotionally or spiritually, energetically, I was not, I was not plugged in. And I think, I believe because of, because of that, I wasn't harmed. And even though I went to one of the most dangerous places back, back in those days, um, that, you know, especially as, as a woman going to places where, you know, we know that women used to get raped and killed, I wasn't, I wasn't harmed. And I, sometimes I believe that we create our, you know, destiny and we create our environment just 
by believing in it. And my belief system was just saying, this is not my war. Mm-hmm. This is not my war. Yeah. And what do you, I mean, it's really, it's really unique. I mean, you're, you're a child living freely, having these beautiful thoughts about how you life. can change the world <laughs> and life through emotion, you know, and then this, this like war is going on and there's um, still a strength that you have that sounds like it was unwavering despite all of the the trauma and, and, and ugliness and, you know, fear and everything else going on around you. It, it, would, do you credit your parents? You know, where, where is that? A, is that a strength you think that you were just born with? How would you describe how you were able to keep that optimistic and positive and strong mindset through? through? I do believe that we're born with some potentials, but I also believe it's it's created through our lives. It has to do a lot with our family. It has to do with belief system, willpower. I was a very stubborn child. Um, so if I put something in my mind, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it no matter what. It just, that was my, that's why I believe that, that willpower and importance of, for children to get them active, to engage them into activities and, and movement, it builds the character. Mm-hmm. and builds the willpower. I think what we need now more than ever is that willpower. So I, even through my work today, I'm influencing my clients through develop that willpower because I think it's getting weaker and weaker. Mm-hmm. So desire for life, desire for expansion, desire for happiness. It was, that was my motivation. That mm-hmm. was, you know, always believing in the bright side, always believing that there's so much more in, in this world. Um, there's power within us and power all around us. Mm-hmm. So the connection to the spirit, even as a young child, was something that was that was moving me. Mm. Um, I always felt I was protected. I was always feeling that I had uh, angels with me. <laughs> I could talk to angels. I could see, you know, I could see the power around me all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was a bit odd child because I created my own imaginary friends. I had, you know, I was never bored. I, 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 I create fun. Even in the most difficult situations, I just imagined beautiful things. Mm-hmm. So I would connect to beauty. I would connect to that joy. I would, I would find it in my heart, I mm-hmm. think. In spite of, you know, death and destruction, even in the hardest moment, I tend to go back into my heart. I tend to see good in all. Mm-hmm. Well, beautiful. And I'm sure that was a phenomenal worldview and, and, you know, values and strength to be able to navigate that time. So tell me, you know, then, then what? So um, how did you get to California? You know, what happened in between? (laughs) What's important here? And, And the reason I'm asking is because, you know, my belief is that the journey, you know, the experience, these traumas, um, whether or not they're yours or happening around you, mm-hmm. in your case, you know, a set of beliefs, they guide you. You touched on spirituality, which I want to come back to mm-hmm. um, in a bit. But, you know, to me, this is all happening exactly as it's supposed to it's supposed for to. our benefit. And so hearing kind of the connective tissue and the and connecting the dots, mm-hmm. I think is really valuable in and kind of us getting to how, what you're doing now, but what, what next? You know, tell me, tell you me know, your path here. Life is a beautiful thing. And if we learn how to dance with it, that's the gift. So I learn, I learn how to dance with life, whatever life would give me and bring me. I used to just be open to it and invite. And 
start playing with that manifestation and creation in my own life. So when I was in Bosnia, the you know during the, that was a war and no one could get out, not even in your in your wildest dreams, like you could leave. But in my mind, I just I just almost like received messages, and I was told that I need to have my passport. And then I need to, you know, I used to wear it in my bra and I used to have like a bulletproof jacket on mm-hmm. me because that's that was part of my uniform. Mm-hmm. So kind of like intuitively, or if I was connecting to some energy outside of me or receiving, constantly receiving messages. Back then, I didn't know what they were. I didn't understand, you know, the, the, what it meant. It was just, okay, you are just a weird child. But I knew. And so that those connections to that, maybe outside world of us, or we'll call angels or divine guidance. We can give names, but that's actually how it works for me. And I learned through, you know, those connections to kind of like know where to be at what time. Mm -hmm. So I would constantly receive messages. So that passport that I had in my bra actually was my door opener to, to get me out of Bosnia at the time. So then, you know, when synchronicities happened, like you start recognizing magic in everything because it just, for a lot of people, wouldn't make any sense. All of a sudden, this one bus appeared in the middle of, you know, town that we were staying in the middle of Bosnia. No one, you know, it's like no one can get to you. You're just stuck. And this one bus mysteriously appeared. And it happened, it was taking only women and children. And my dad at the time, he forced me to get on that bus, even though I, I was fighting and I didn't want to leave them. He's like, no, you have to get on this bus. If one of us needs to get saved, it could be you. So I took his advice and I got on this bus that took me to Croatia. Without any family? Without, you, you were. I, I had a grandfather back then in Croatia. Um, and but also, you were on the bus alone? I was all alone. Yeah. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and also I had friends in London mm-hmm. who knew what was going on in Bosnia. So they, they were trying to get me out of Bosnia mm-hmm. as well. So by the time I got to Croatia, they already were working on kind of like send me a ticket to, to get out of Croatia mm-hmm. to London. So what happened is that because I spent a year before in London, you see how like synchronicities, mm-hmm. it's like right time, right place, yeah. being connected to the... And what year is this? This was in 1992, mm-hmm. 1993, mm-hmm. just during the beginning of the war. And, you know, during the war, when I ended up second time in London and um, and then that was, you know, that was kind of interesting because I had... No money. I had. I had nothing. I yeah. Just, I mean, I'm just listening. You know, and I, I don't know if some of our viewers can or listeners can really appreciate this, but um, like, it's not like you, you know, FaceTime or WhatsApp your friends in London. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, like how, I'm just even thinking, like, how did they know to get you the ticket and like that you were going to be there? I mean, right. It. it that, that this is, you know, why am I today where I am? Because and why I always say about magic, you know, if for lack of words, is these these unexplainable things that are just happening to us right. all the time. Um, it was this almost like we had this telepathic connection mm-hmm. in some way, you know. Somehow you would, you know, you would hear a message from a friend of friend, or the phone rings when you're. I mean, I can I can tell you like. In beautiful things that mm-hmm. that are just not normal. Right, like right. So um, we had a connection before the war happened. So I knew that you know if I ever get out of Bosnia, 
I can just who I can connect with in London. So even though we lost touch for probably more than a month, but when once I arrived to Bosnia, I was able to connect with my my friends who they already like just you know we'll send you a car we'll send mm-hmm. you a plane ticket so you can come to London. Mm-hmm. So I just remember having this backpack, the only thing that I packed because I knew I kind of always had this premonitions and I had I knew what's gonna happen before it happened. So I had my backpack and I remember just coming to the Heathrow airport and they were asking me, where's your luggage? I said, this is all I have left of my life. You know, my house burned, everything that I own, all my personal, you know, belongings, pictures, that's all gone. So pretty much no recollection <laughs> of my past. So all, all I had was my, my, my backpack. And uh, I remember, you know, just coming to London and here, here I am again, all alone and trying to figure in my life in this new, new, big, beautiful city. And it happened that at that time, you know, they were giving status refugees from Bosnia that came in. So they would give us this place in a little hostel close to actually Victoria station. So that was, that was a blessing in disguise, you know, just to be able to have a roof over your head and, and just so much joy and so much excitement to have that. It was such a gift. Um, but I remember, you know, just deciding to get up in the morning and go look to look for jobs. I had no money and I had to walk, God knows, you know, how many miles, mm-hmm. but I had to pass by Buckingham Palace. <laughs> and that was like an early morning. I just remember that morning, like seven, eight early morning <laughs> fog. And I'm standing right in front of Buckingham Palace and thinking, how is this? crazy. Here I am just behind <laughs> Buckingham Palace in this little hostel, mm-hmm. you know, a little refugee from Bosnia, walking down the street and standing in front of Buckingham Palace, mm-hmm. Queen, <laughs> you know, all the luxury, royalty, everything you can imagine. Yeah. It, surreal. Yeah. Surreal. And, you know, but I was filled with joy. And I, I also had a couple of girls that live with me also in Bosnian refugees that one of us needs to get a job in order to survive and to feed each other. So whoever gets a job first, it, you know, we'll be able to live and, and survive. So that was my drive. That was my mission. So I decided just to walk to uh, Piccadilly and then to Covent Garden. And I remember that walking, I just see the restaurant, you know, help wanted. And I walked in and it just asked for a job. They said, when can you start now? So that's how that, that was, you know, that's my first job in London. And I remember making, you know, those pounds, uh, <laughs> made it, making tip money, mm-hmm. running home. And then us girls just running to store to buy food, sitting around the table and just, you know, eating that food. Mm-hmm. Mm. Amazing. Wow. And so how long did you stay in London? Well, when I was in London, I, I kind of made a decision that I want to come to New York. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, you know, from that job, of course, I moved really quickly. Yeah. I just needed that little break to get yeah. me back on my feet. So I remember working in this restaurant, uh, Italian restaurant, and right after my work, uh, we would sit down and and Frank Sinatra would sing New York, New York. <laughs> and there was a black and white painting, yeah. a, a photograph, photograph. And I just remember, oh, I just wish I can be in New York. And really not too long after that, where I met my first ex-husband, uh, <laughs> who he came to from, he came from New York. And I just remember first time he said to me, I'm going to marry you. I said, 
accept. Yeah, okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I said, well, if we, you know, he asked me for a phone number. I said, if we meet again, I'll give you my phone number. Just thinking that's going to be the end of it. I'm never going to see him again. But just a couple of days later, I was walking down Oxford Street and I bumped right into him. And that's what he said. He said, hey, you know, remember you promised me you're going to give me a phone number. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I did. So I gave him my phone number and he said, I'm going to be back in a week. I'm coming back and I'm going to get married and we're going to get married. Mm. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> this must be uh, divinely orchestrated mm-hmm. to some degree. But also, you know, thinking about my family in Bosnia and I come from family. So in my mind, family was everything that I ever wanted to create that safety mm-hmm. that I just lost. So just thinking that everybody is a great person, everybody, you know, mm-hmm. like once you have family, I didn't understand less than that. Mm-hmm. So for me, marriage represented safety mm-hmm. and family. Mm-hmm. And so, so we, after six months, I end up in New York, mm-hmm. but the family wasn't the family that I expected to be. Mm-hmm. It turned out that, um, my ex-husband was extremely physically abusive. Mm-hmm. So here I am, escaped the war of Bosnia, mm-hmm. and I end up in probably the most, the worst personal war that I could imagine. Mm-hmm. So that was a domestic abuse, a lot of, a lot of um, physical abuse. Mm-hmm. And also I had a baby at the time. Mm-hmm. So it was just interesting, you know, look back and, and realize it's like really... How is this happening? Here I am thinking I escaped the war. Yeah. And I'm finding myself in my other war. Yeah. Um, really uh, touching. I mean, it's, it's, it's really a, a fascinating story, you know, for you to be surviving that life in Bosnia, you know, with, with all that you did to get out, <laughs> you know, to come to New York City, you right. know, your dreams with Sinatra and, you know, <laughs> America and now now there you are in your worst nightmare. In my worst nightmare. Battling. Um Not how knowing. did you did, is there some thread connected to that little girl that allows you to get out of that relationship? I mean Well, it's interesting, you know, to see how um still that inner strength kept me kept kept me going and I think it kept me alive because the amount of abuse that I endure through that relationship was extreme, mm-hmm. like really, really extreme. Um, not just talking that I had PTSD. Mm-hmm. I've never dealt with my trauma. First of all, coming from Bosnia, this is mm-hmm. three years in. I'm not sure if, you know, I haven't heard from my parents if they're alive or dead and my brother, and I don't know, I don't have a connection with my family, so I don't have anybody here. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much, now it's not just me. I have a little boy and little life to take care of. Mm-hmm. But that's that's where the strength comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can only imagine, you know, the courage that you were able to access. Maybe courage you didn't even know that you had, but um, you knew there was something better for you, and that that you know, I don't know. Did you did you at the time? And I, I know now, but at the time, were you able to kind of see that? that there would be something good to come of this, that you were able to um, someday be in a position like you are yes. to use all of that Absolutely. to serve. Um, was that a thought that you had at that time? Yes. That's the only person I can really turn to was God and myself and really seeking, you know, that's when that spirituality 
came in because I had nowhere to go. I had no one to ask for help. And um, that's when you know that that you need to connect to something even outside and start asking and praying. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time praying. Mm -hmm. And what was your practice? I mean, how, how would you, how would you pray? Oh, everything I can get my hand on, mm -hmm. <laughs> no matter, no matter what spiritual practice would come to me. Mm -hmm. um, at the time it was Jehovah Witness. It's mm -hmm. because my mother-in-law at the time, she was Jehovah Witnesses. So the only people that I really truly had to come into my house were Jehovah Witnesses. Mm. So I was really looking for it. So I started studying Bible. So I would, I learned Bible inside out. And that was kind of like my refuge when I found strength in those words mm -hmm. in, you know, just connecting to Jesus and connecting to uh, spirit and just constantly praying and praying and praying and developing this earnest desire to live and to survive and to take my son out of this relationship mm -hmm. because I didn't see the exit out. So then I start praying and I would just start asking, you know, God for opening mm -hmm. something to help me get out. And when I was pretty much, I couldn't take it anymore, you know, and I was like, I was thinking, this is it. This is the end of it. The opening happened. Mm. So by the time I was able to get my mom and my brother out of Bosnia, pretty much that was, you know, my mission, even though I was in my own hell. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if, um, if I'm going to survive, to be honest with you, because there were days when I didn't know if I'm going to see the next day. Mm. But I, and I had nobody really to tell what was going on. So I would um, write journals. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine who's Jehovah Witness, I just told her, said, in case something happens to me, you know, this is the story. Mm. Wow. That's touching. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So tell me, you get your mother and... and My uh, brother out. Yeah. And your brother out. And they come to New York? They come to New York. And actually, they were my... They were my helpers. <laughs> Actually, they were godsend at the time because I pretended that everything was fine just because I, you know, these people, they just endured the worst war in the century at the time. And here they are in New York thinking like, okay, this is, you know, we're safe. But they didn't even understand, you know, they, when they saw me, they realized that something was off. Mm -hmm. And my mom, the way she is, of course... She, she did find my journal. Mm -hmm. She read it and she knew what was going on. And so she was able to, I, I needed that help, that extra little help for me to make that move to step out and to leave. Mm -hmm. So the, the, you see the circumstances, how it happened, like I just, I just couldn't take it anymore. And then the universe puts, puts certain players in a play to help me kind of like angels just to open that door for me to move. So I was able to escape and leave that um, horrible marriage and relationship, take my son, take my mom and my, and my brother again, finding ourselves mm. pretty homeless. Mm -hmm. And where'd you escape to? <laughs> <laughs> to, so, so when it happened, I had no, again, I had, you know, no money. I had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. Um, the only person I can remember was my Jehovah Witness friend. Mm -hmm. And we knock on her door. She, 
she opened the door and she let us in and we stayed with her for two weeks. And I just told her, I said, all I need is a week, mm-hmm. you know, get my job, get myself back on my feet. Here I am starting all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what she did. You she got, did. And you did. I mean, yes. you got yourself back on your feet. Yes. Yeah. You see, there's so many human angels mm-hmm. and sometimes we forget and they could just look like a regular people. Yeah. Maybe not paying attention to them, but those are the ones, the silent ones are the really, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No question about it. Wow. So, so let, let's, let's fast forward now. You um, have this really full experience and you're back on your feet. And, um, you know, how does, how does this work start to align with where you are now and what you're doing? I mean, tell me kind of how you fill in this gap between um, Human Garage, the work that you're doing, and, and all of that life that happened, which, you know, in yes. some ways probably feels like yesterday and in some ways was, you know, a long time ago for yes. you. I mean, you've, you've really come so far to be so thriving and so full and of service you know, from, from those days of desperation and, and having nothing, um, you know, kind of fill that gap for us. Do you know what? It's just when you've been broken so many times, light has to come out somewhere. So desire to um, help people, I guess, because I remember where I came from and the, the amount of love and the amount of help that I received from strangers was incredible. And that's what I want to give back. And I just think that we live a very short period of time here on earth. And why not be the best version of ourselves? So that part of my life was there to teach me a lot. And it, it took me all these years now to really heal myself. So Human Garage was created as part of my dream and my vision a long time ago. So manifestation, I think we're all manifesting sometimes consciously unconsciously. I wrote it in my journal for a really long time that this is something that I want to have and create. And and again, you know, the same thing was going through my life about no matter where I was, no matter what I was doing, I was always kind of going into this direction. Again, stubborn as I was, I just, I just decided that, you know, nothing will stop me. And again, because of my physical strength and ability to, to work out and to use my physical body, that's kind of like the physical strength was what I had. And then in combination with uh, my spirituality, kind of gave me that extra power and, and, and ability to cope with everything. And so living in New York City, being single mom, you know, I decided to, I had a normal job in hospitality. I was managing hotel in Upper East Side uh, for 15 years. But the passion was, you know, I was a personal trainer. I got myself certified. And so, so through, through all of that, I started developing, you know, my self-worth. And I did a lot of work to better myself in every aspect. First of all, was through physical, of course. Like, if, you know, if I can move my body, once my body is strong, my spirituality, my outlook on life, everything started get, was getting better. So then I, then I figured out that, you know, the next is spiritual practice and yoga. So I was really blessed to study with the best teachers and um, get all that support and help. And, and, and so through this process, I was really healing myself, you know, and 
And then there was a day when I realized that, you know, I need to, I need to leave New York. And my second dream that, you know, those two postcards that my uncle sent me a long time ago, Mm -hmm. it was New York City postcard and Los Angeles. And as a little girl, I used to look at those two postcards always. So here I am, find myself in New York City. The second was Los Angeles. Now I'm living in Los Angeles. So, you know, I just, I just want to kind of say that dreaming is powerful. Mm-hmm. And we have to be really careful when we dream because dreams do come true. Yeah. So, um, so that's how, you know, like even creating a human garage was part of my life mission. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah. And, and, and maybe you can just take a minute and describe, you know, specifically some of the work that you're doing we, you and I talked a little bit about some of the way that Kabbalah um, might be influencing mm-hmm. the work. Uh, and, and I want to talk about spiritual practice, but maybe you can just talk about the techniques, mm-hmm. where they come from, you know, and, 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 you know, give everybody a sense a little bit as to specifically what you're doing. Sure. Um, like I said, first of all, was through physical, physical, you know, as, as being personal trainer, understanding human body and just physical motion. Uh, but the second, when I, when I was working as a personal trainer, I just realized that, you know, um, spirituality is missing, like the connection to the spirit. So I see a lot of people working out, but they're dis- spiritually, mentally, emotionally disconnected from their body. So then I, um, I decided to study Kabbalah. And because I was always asking, that was actually, that, that, that was something that helped me tremendously realize why I had life that I had and why, how these things are happening. Like there must be a a process. There must be some mechanism that this life happens to us. And through Kabbalah was really something that helped me start seeing and taking full responsibility and taking, taking the blame from the game and taking, you know, pointing fingers in uh, people that came into my life as my abusers. I just, I realized that everything that had happened to me, I created it. And so once I start taking that full responsibility, I'm no longer a victim. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking f- full charge in, in all of this practice. So, but then, you know, <laughs> then with Kabbalah, I just realized that, okay, great. This, you know, practice is amazing, but people are not physically fit. They're not healthy. Mm-hmm. So they're extremely spiritual, but they're not healthy. So then I said, how can we bridge these worlds together? And that's, that's when, you know, I realized that we need to kind of like connect that bridge. So for me, I said, I don't see, I don't know any, any place like that that exists. So let's create something. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's for me was a mission of create, even creating Human Garage, mm-hmm. getting people really like connecting to the physical body. And once you're um, aligned then you're going to start seeking spirituality. Then you're going to start understanding how we're going to understand the world outside of us if we don't understand the world inside of us. Yeah. And, and so having learned and benefited from so many different spiritual practices, um, you know, the Jehovah's Witness, the Kabbalist, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then creating your own, is that, is that is how you would describe how yes. your spiritual practices today is your own blend yes. of a variety of practices. Tell me a little bit about your spiritual practice today. Yes. Oh, you know, um, this spiritual practice I'm 
in the process, learning, developing, and feeling right now is truly connecting to that zero point, pretty much nothingness. I guess, you know, we arrive to this, to this space when we have experienced life and we just realize that there's really nothing else outside of us. And that we have, like, when we choose to see beauty in all, that's when the magic happens. So there was this particular moment in my life where um, I was in meditation and I just, I had this vision of myself sitting in the prison and I actually built that prison and I'm sitting and I, I kind of like came to this realization that I had the key. And I was like, I, in, in my meditation, I'm imagining, visualizing myself taking, pulling that key out and looking at it. And I'm like, wait a minute, why am I, I build this prison I put the prison guards outside and I locked myself in. How insane is this? And I just walked to the door. I opened that door, walked myself out. And I just remember seeing my teacher who was just kind of sitting, standing above me, just laughing. And then the message was like, finally, like Mm. finally, 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 you reach this point. You're just like, it took you so much breaking. (laughs) It took Mm -hmm. you so much to come to this realization and to this place where you can realize that you have created everything. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I just start forgiving everybody and I start realizing that there's no reason for us to hold grudges and to, you know, to be miserable. And and was I was I judgmental? Oh yeah. You know, first judging myself from how come these things happened to me? Why was I what, you know, why these things happen and, and 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 I consider myself a good person. And also my dad passed away last year. So this whole past year was the biggest transformational year for me because first of all, I had to fear, uh, I had to face fear, fear of death, mm-hmm. fear of what after, what's going to happen to us once we leave this physical body. And I had to go face to face with that. That was something that because he passed away instantly, it wasn't, you know, he was perfectly fine. And then the next day he was gone. So, so I remember just even, you know, seeing him in my meditation and the message that he was my biggest teacher. Mm-hmm. At the end of the story, he really is. Because he came to me in my vision and he told me that, you know, that we're all of the noble descent. We're all royalty, every one of us. And he said to respect the lowest of the lowest and the highest of the highest because you know, don't judge person just by the look. Mm-hmm. And he said, remove judgment from your life and nothing will ever touch you. So that was something that I've been working on a lot. Mm. And just learning that and removing that judgment from my life was probably one of the biggest lessons. And I'm not saying I'm perfect and I'm still there, but consciously I'm make and working on that muscle, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, training it. So that, um, but I have to say that personally, doesn't matter what happens outside of my world, I find peace. And all of a sudden I start realizing that I see beauty in everything. Mm. I was going to ask, where are you at your most peaceful place? Um, is Is it a place? Is it a practice? Is it a time? Is it finding it everywhere? Tell me, you know, what does peace look like to you? It's pretty much everywhere now. You know, it's connecting to to uh, breath work and to connect to essence of life. And then just having this great appreciation for everything 
is kind of the best place to be. So every day is excitement. Every day is, you know, even sometimes the negative thoughts come to my mind, but I just say, today is a beautiful day. And, you know, not today. Today I'm going to choose to be in love and peace. And for me, peace, peace, peace of mind, peace in everything is just number one. Mm-hmm. Just having ability to connect to the spirit and kind of sharing these moments with people that, that come into my life. And I just, you know, I don't even try to make it anymore. I just feel that I'm in the right, in the right place at the right time. And whoever needs to come into my life is going to be in my life. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, I just want to, I just want to be, and the universe will do the rest. So all I have to do is, you know, make sure that I take care of myself. So I do speak a lot about self-love mm-hmm. and teaching and educating. That's really where I want to go is share my story and be that strength for those that don't have it. Because if I made it, I know that many, many people that are sitting out there and they, they have troubles dealing with this life, yeah. there is a light. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just sitting here and hearing your story and then hearing you say that, you know, I think that's exactly what you are here to be doing. You know, my question for you is, you know, when it's all said and done, mm-hmm. you know, what, what do you hope, what do you believe that your purpose on this earth will, will have been? Um, to touch as many people as possible and then just start to, you know, share the message that the time is now and we need to kind of really tap into that I'm conditional love and really learn to know ourselves first and to start loving ourselves. The message, you know, in the spiritual uh, book is love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. But how can I love my neighbor if I don't even know how to love myself? And I think that's something that we need to truly teach and educate and and, uh, share that message. Message is also, you know, be conscious how you treat your body. Be conscious what you put in your body. Love your body. Love, love every second of it. So that's that's. I think that's really my mission here in the world is to teach. Mm-hmm. And, and just out of curious curiosity, is this a story? The story that we just talked about, the story that I just heard, is this mm-hmm. something that you are sharing regularly with people? Do do is that part of your work now, where people get to hear all of the challenges? Um, is that something that's found its way in? Uh, not not yet. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, they would think that I'm the happiest person in the world. And a lot of people would say, oh, you know, you didn't have a difficult life because yeah. you see. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the reason I ask is because that's my experience of of uh, knowing you. You know, yeah. you're this just really bright light and beautiful energy and you're so kind and loving and giving and and, you know, you have such passion and, and you're doing such great work. And I just had a little download <laughs> to ask you about Bosnia because I knew there must have been something there, but not having heard this story before. And it's it's powerful. And it's one that, you know, I I, I will, I can imagine and I will maybe poke you and push you a little <laughs> to do this sure. more often. You know, it's, there's really something rich and, and deep and I'm honored to have you Thank share you. it um, here today. So let's uh, maybe end with something that would be a little bit uh, fun and 
and interesting for our listeners who maybe don't have access to all of the uh, <laughs> unbelievable stuff that you have out in LA and in Venice and you know that we're trying to bring more and more here. Any mm-hmm. kind of hacks or kind of places for people to start? I'm a big believer mm-hmm. in part of what we're doing here at Gravity is just trying to meet people where they are. Yes. You know, whether that be TM or yoga or nutrition, you know, mm-hmm. any any places to start or any interesting kind of hacks that have been helpful for you to share with other people? Yes. First, just being open to this idea of, you know, that this world is a beautiful place and this life is a beautiful gift. So even if you don't feel like joy and happiness, fake it. <laughs> Smile. I, that's the number one. I would say just catch yourself during the day. If you don't do anything else, just smile. Look at yourself in the mirror. If you forget, look at the child and smile. Find something beautiful to appreciate. Gratitude is really, I mean, heart openers. So um, appreciate, find something to appreciate. Find something that, that, that you enjoy doing. And I think if every one of us have, you know, passion for something. So follow your heart. And I think your heart will know where to take you. So you may not even realize that, oh my gosh, how did I even find? I didn't even, I wasn't even interested in meditation or, and I end up here. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even know I had, you know, issues with my digestion and I end up here. So just follow your heart. Your heart will guide you where you need to be and be like a child. Don't, don't take life too seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, have fun. Have fun and find joy and find people that make you happy. Also, you know, if you are not happy with certain relationships, cut them. Yeah. Move. Uh, move. If you can't do anything else, move. Go for a walk. Connect to the nature. Mm-hmm. And I think nature is the best healer at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Comes back to that little girl in Bosnia <laughs> that was running around in the fields, moving and just being free. Um, yes. Wonderful. Can't forget that. <laughs> Anything else you want to share where we can find you or any final thoughts? Yes. Well, um, I think right now the best place is probably my Instagram. I'm trying to be a little bit more engaging mm. and uh, and share more of mm. my insights and also a lot of downloads that I get uh, more now than ever. I'm receiving downloads uh, directly. So I, I'm more open to speak about it and to kind of like go publicly and just say, you know, I do talk to guides and I, <laughs> I have access. So yeah, it's probably the best place to be to connect with me and to create that happy community yeah. would be um, Instagram. Wonderful. underscore HG. All right. Good. Well, this has been great. It's been a pleasure to have you here in Columbus at Gravity and uh, to work with you and, and to have this conversation with you. So I'm honored and, and thank you very much. Thank you so much for letting me share my story. And I'm looking forward to, you know, connect to your listeners and to share more. And come on, let's make this world a better place. Let's do it. I love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gravity Podcast. Please subscribe to the show at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the entire Gravity Project, please go to gravityproject.com. Please check out the podcast on Instagram at the Gravity Podcast. Music heard of the show is provided courtesy of Kyle Lamoro and Oliver Oak.